You know, today I want to talk about being a firefighter. I do. It's something that I, I really know in my heart that in leadership, in relationship skills, that if there's a fire, there's strife, there's anger. You know, when there's a fire in life, there's two things that we can do in leadership. We can add gasoline to it or we can add water to it. It's a choice that we make in our relationship skills that we can quench that fire with water or we can add gasoline to it by reacting to the problem or the situation and you can make it worse and make it explosive. This week, oh, I guess just a few days ago, the Holy Spirit, when we were both, Amy and I were both waking up right at the same time and she sat up and I knew the Spirit of God had just spoken to her and she said, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. It was one of those moments. It was kind of unique. And she said, I just heard him say, quench every fiery dart. And then he said it again to her, quench every fiery dart. How many know that God expects us to do that? And how he does it, let me show you, is he, he specifically instructs us to pick up the shield of faith. I know this doesn't look like much. But this is Caleb's, and it'll work. And he also tells us to pick up the sword of the Spirit. And he expects us to take up the shield in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, watch, listen, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, he emphasizes this again. He says, now, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the gospel, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench some. There we go. You're awake. All the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, let me say, if you're sensing a lot of pressure in life right now, you feel like, man, I have been holding the shield up, and I feel like this thing is full of darts, fiery darts, and you just feel like your armor's starting to fall off because you've been just guarding your life, and it seems like you're just doing everything you can to stand. What should you do when you've done everything you can stand? Stand. You know, what if the bad reports come? What do you do? Stand. What if uh, persecution comes? What do you do? Stand. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand. Ah, bigger smile next time. You know, I think that one of the things that we hear is that God gives us a word. How many have ever noticed that? God gives you and I a word, and it could be something we're just reading the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. We're reading the Bible, and we come across a personalized word that God gives us, and it just bears witness in our spirit, and it's like, Woohoo! God says, you know, we're going to actually, our marriage is going to make it, or our family's going to make it, or my child's coming back to Christ. You know, it could have been a story. You're reading the prodigal uh, son story, and it's like, woohoo, this is for me today. God gave me this word, and it just comes alive to your spirit, and it just bears witness, and the Holy Spirit illuminates it, and you're like, this is it. How many know that at the moment that the Spirit of God speaks a rhema word to you or a revelation to you, 
that all of a sudden opposition starts to come. And it seems like the worst all of a sudden begins to happen before the greatest blessings in life. And so there seems to be these giants in the land. Every time there's a promised land, a promise that God gives us, which are all yes and amen. But when these promises come, there's always giants trying to hold us back. You know, the Old Testament is for our example. Faith has always been from all the way back to all the way forward into the end of the New Testament. Faith will always be. And faith is what pleases God, and faith is what overcomes the world. And so we have to have faith, and that's why Jesus said, when I come back, am I actually going to find faith in the earth? Because most people shrink back when opposition comes, and they start questioning their mind, like, maybe this wasn't from God. Maybe this word really wasn't for me, because it looks like just the opposite is happening. I thought I was going to have a financial breakthrough, a financial miracle, and it looks like all of a sudden, I've got another bad report. What are, you supposed to, what are we supposed to do at that moment? Stand. What are we supposed to do when the fiery darts are shot at us? Quench them. You know, we've got to take up that shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we have got to learn how to fight. And you know, when it happens, you know, the best things begin to manifest. I love this because this is really true. Every time we get, we're like, oh my goodness, the miracle finally busts through. It finally breaks through. You get your miracle, and the quickest thing most people do is like they throw down their armor. It's like, whew, I don't want to have to use my faith like that again for another six months. And that's when the enemy comes. Because how many know when Israel was coming out of the land, they got their gold, their silver, and everything. They're coming out whole. And they thought it's all over. But all of a sudden, you know, Pharaoh's changing his mind. And he's charging towards them and says, I'm coming to get him anyway. So most times people shrink back at that moment and say, we're done. We're clear. God's leading us to our promised land. But there's always giants. There's always opposition that tries to get in the way to convince us it's not going to happen. And that's why God's word says, all my promises are yes and amen. And that's why we're to take up the shield of faith and we are to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So I've learned to do it this way. When I get a miracle, a breakthrough, finally, whatever, I've been standing and I got it. I got my, it could have been a financial miracle. It could have been health or wholeness in some way, shape or form. But I get this miracle. Instead of throwing my stuff down, I just go like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, praise you, Jesus. You know, I am, I'm just gonna, Lord, thank you so much for that uh, breakthrough, that miracle, that victory. And we have got to constantly be on guard because the devil's going to try and convince you to lay it all down. Because if he can get you to take down your shield of faith, then he's going to hit you. And how many know that when you start to hear opposition, persecution, some giants in the land, like it's not going to come through, you've been sick too long, you got another bad report, it's not going to happen, it's too late now, opposition, giants, they're going to come from every nick and cranny, they're going to come out of the woodwork. Because they are after your faith. The enemy is after your faith. And he comes at you with fear. And that's why faith combats fear. Faith, using the sword of the spirit. Let the weak say, I am strong. So when the Pharaoh's army comes charging at us at that moment, we just turn around with a shield of faith. And we begin to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we take the sword of the spirit. And we split the Red Sea. 
We've got to continue to be on guard at all times. Yes, take those moments and praise God. Thank God for every miracle, every breakthrough. I mean, we've got people here. It's, I was sitting there thinking during worship, wow, I am amazed. There are so many people in this church now that are in the process of about to get married, and they started coming to church. They met their uh, future spouse here at the church. And, you know, I remember praying for them in the prayer lines and like, you know, I just really would love to get married. And all of a sudden God sends in a knight in shining armor and they get their miracle. And so, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, I have seen in this process of time, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary shortly here at High Point Church. We're coming up on this, and I'm sitting there thinking, there are a number of people in this church that have met each other or had marriage restoration or family restoration, some kind of miracle, uh, financial breakthroughs. I can tell you many, many, many stories that are sitting right here in this congregation of people who have received their miracles. And so we take a moment and we say, thank you, Jesus, but we've got to keep on guard. We've got to be a firefighter and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen? We've got to be ready to use soft answers when that wrath comes. Because there are going to be times where it's like, my marriage is turning around. God speaks a revelation to you. It's like, I'm receiving my marriage breakthrough. And all of a sudden, he or she comes into the room and says something that was nasty. Now, what do you do? You take up the sword of the Spirit. What does he say to do? Use soft answers to turn away wrath. You quench the fiery darts. Oh, Lord, he just doesn't know any better. You know, bless Bless his heart and his dumb, stupid head right now. But, Lord, <laughs> no, no, don't do that. But, you know, just keep focused on the qualities. But, you know, there are things that God tells us to do, doesn't he? He teaches us how to use the sword of the Spirit, how to quench all the fiery darts. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to keep the full armor on. Amen? Sometimes I have compassion for God because, you know, you look around. This is what he got, he's got to work with. I mean, turn, turn, look around at somebody and just tap on the shoulder. Is this all God has to work with? All right, say it nicer next time. You know, but here's the good news. Just, I just want to stop because I really, I, I think the world of High Point Church, I do. I, I really do. But you look around at the body of Christ. I'm not talking about High Point Church now. I'm just saying in general. And there's a bunch of Gomer piles out there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, we got a lot of just like, Wow. I mean, you've got, God's got a full denomination. All they wear is a helmet of salvation. Yes, yes, we believe in salvation. But they're naked from the head down. We believe in salvation. I mean, can you imagine if you were the enemy and you're dug in and you're ready to attack and all of a sudden here comes an army of God coming towards you and all they've got is a helmet of salvation. They're naked all the way down. I mean, seriously, what are they going to do? Laugh the devil to death? There are people who just absolutely, that, we believe in salvation, but, you know, I don't know about that breast. You know, there is none righteous among us. We're all sinners. Yes, we're all sinners. They just took off their breastplate, didn't they? The breastplate of righteousness. Well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in that faith stuff. I just don't believe in that faith stuff. They just threw down the shield of faith. And there's a whole bunch of them that just don't even take up the sword of the Spirit they don't even have, they don't have any clue. They don't know right from wrong. You know, if I ask them, what are you standing on? Well, if it's God's will, I guess it'll happen. If it's not, then it won't. Hey, there's no faith in that. Faith is what overcomes the world. What are the scriptures that you're standing on? How are you using the sword of the Spirit? What are you believing for? What? Hey, you're believing for a marriage reconciliation and restoration story? You're believing for your kids to come back to Christ? You're believing for a, a house or a car or whatever it is? What's the scriptures you're standing on? 
Well, I guess if it's God's will, it'll happen. If it's not, then it won't. That's not faith. Faith faith is made known when the will of God is made known. And until we get into God's word, we won't know what his will is. And so there's a whole bunch of them that don't even use the sword of spirit. They're standing there naked. And the devil's sitting there looking at them thinking, I'm going to launch my biggest missile right now. I got this one. And then they say, oh, God took another angel. And it was someone who died premature. With long life, he will satisfy us and show us his salvation. And no weapon formed against us will prosper. But the thing is, is if we're going to be firefighters, we have got to pick up the sword of the spirit. And we've got to pick up the shield of faith. And we've got to learn how to put on the full armor of God to guard our breastplate. We've got to know how to put on the belt of truth. We've got to know how to put on and shod our feet with the gospel peace. We've got to know how to put on the garments of praise and the robe of righteousness. We've got to know how to pray in the spirit of God so we can overcome this world because by him and by his amazing grace we are a world overcomers but we've got to put it on we've got to put on so we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one we've got to learn how to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one what is the sword of the spirit it's the word of God what word are you standing on we've got to know what the truth is, so the knowledge of the truth keeps us free and sets us free. Amen? But we've got to wear the full armor to put out the fires. We've got to keep it on. We can't be walking around naked with just a helmet of salvation. Yes, I believe Jesus died for my sins and I'm going to heaven. Praise God. But you've got a whole full armor you're supposed to be wearing. You've got to cover yourself. Don't leave yourself open as an open target to the enemy. Listen, in Joshua chapter 21, I don't know if the team will have this one ready for me or not, but Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 through 45, says, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Say that to your neighbor. All came to pass. You know, I'm, I got good news for you. God actually really thinks, he really believes that his body is going to be a glorious body. Without spot and without blemish. And that we are going to put the devil under our feet. That even death, we're going to put under our feet. I've got good news for you today. We're going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. You know, you get this. The word of God comes, and it took Israel an additional 40 years because they just kept full of doubt and unbelief and complaining. Does it matter what we say? God's eyes is huge. Life and bless, blessing or death and cursing. We can pave the way or we can hurt the way. You know, the thing is, is that sometimes we get this mindset that grace is everything and grace is everything. But we, ha- we take faith in his grace. It takes faith in his grace to inherit salvation. Faith in his grace for whatever we need. Faith is something that we develop, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus came in John 10.10 to give us life and life more abundantly. So we need to know who our enemy is, because half of the army of God, can you just imagine right now, if you were chief and commander, 
and half of your army is pointing their weapons towards headquarters? Can you imagine? I mean, God has to deal with this. God, why did you make me sick? God, why did you take my baby? God, why did you wreck my car? God, why are you letting this happen to me? I mean, half of his army is out there sitting there pointing. They don't even know right from wrong. They don't know who their enemy is. And they're sitting there pointing. Can you imagine if you're the commander-in-chief and half of your army is sitting there pointing their weapons towards you? This is what God has to put up with. A bunch of Gomer Biles out there, Mr. Beans, people who just don't know right from wrong. And that's why God is saying, prepare now, because there's something stirring right now, big time in the realm of the Spirit, and we need to know right from wrong, because Jesus made it clear, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, amen? We need to know who our enemy is, and we need to know who our good shepherd is. We need to know who is the chief of commander. Part of the army doesn't even respect chain of command. We've got buck privates that are trying to be generals. Sergeants praying that generals will die so they can take their role. I mean, we got a bunch of goofballs out there. I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about the church down the road or something. You know, next time you see him, is this all God has to work with? Tell him that next time. Come on, you got to learn right from wrong. You got to know what the word of God says so you can use the sword of the spirit and take out that shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If God is for you, then who can be against you we need to have this an understanding a revelation of first john 4 4 that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world that we are according to romans 8 37 more than conquerors through christ who loves us we have got to learn how to put the devil under our feet so he stops whooping up on us it's time for the body of christ to experience a revival because something great is stirring and the greatest amount, and Jesus said this to me one time, he said the greatest amount of resistance, the greatest pressure comes right before your greatest miracles in life. So if you're at a point in your life where you're sensing a lot of pressure, be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome this world. And you're about to break through. When you've just been standing and standing and standing and standing and standing, you feel like you can't stand anymore, he says stand. Because when he launches his biggest attack against you, and you're thinking, man, I can't even keep my armor on. It's so loaded with fiery darts. Then this is the moment where you look to God and be of good cheer because you got the devil right where you want him. Because when he's la launched his biggest attack against your life, there's nothing more he can do. This is not a flesh and blood thing. This is a spiritual thing. And the more we recognize the position that we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. And when we get God's perspective and he says, be of good cheer, I've overcome this world. God, I don't think I can stand anymore. What do I do? He says, rejoice. What? Is there anybody else up there that has a second opinion? I mean, come on. What? Don't you know what I'm going through, God? Don't you know? James 1.2 comes, comes back at us and he says, when you're going through trials and tribulations, what do you do? Count it all joy. He says, rejoice again. God, why? Because he sees something you don't see. What do you see, God? He's just launched his biggest attack against your life. And if you keep standing, it's all over. And you'll obtain the promises of God. Your breakthrough. 
your manifestation, your miracle. But we've got to learn to keep standing and to be a firefighter. We can't throw in the towel when it gets hard. Hebrews talks about how we have to labor to enter into his rest. On the other side, there is rest for us. But when the biggest attacks come, that's when we've got to continue to resist the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be, be of a sober mind. Because the adversary, the devil, is walking around roaring like a devil, like a, a, a lion. It doesn't say that he is a lion. I mean, it's like he's all barking no bite because Jesus kicked out his teeth. I'm telling you, his roar is bigger than his bite. He has no teeth anymore. And it doesn't say that he is a lion. It, it doesn't say he is. He acts like a lion. How many know that Justin can bark like a dog, but that doesn't make him a dog? You know what I'm saying? He can even pretend that he's biting you. But it doesn't make him a dog. It says that he's acting like a lion. doesn't mean that he is a lion. If there's a lion out there, his name is the Lion of Judah, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he's the one that's dwelling within us, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. But the key is God says in his word that we've got to keep on the full armor of God. I love this story. Uh, Dr. Seville, our pastor who ordained us, put us into ministry. Uh, I just, when he was uh, summoned, you could say, or drafted into Vietnam, he was a painting body. Uh, you probably know the story, but they, they uh, flew him to New Jersey. They picked him up in a cattle trailer him and all the other people that were being drafted into Vietnam at that time. And uh, they got there. And when they got there to their uh, boot camp place, you know, Smokey the Bear was there to greet them. And, and if you've ever been in boot camp, you know what I'm talking about. This man is, is using vulgar language, telling him to get out of that cattle truck, you bunch of stinky, filthy, you know, blah, 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 and blankety-blank. And, uh, you know, he said they got in line. And right down the line, he looked at, you know, what he had what America had to work with, and he thought, dear God, America's in trouble. Because <laughs> next to him was a hippie, because it was that time of the, you know. And uh, there, right down there was a farmer or whatever he was, but he had bib overalls on, a straw hat on. There was a guy next to him with a three-piece suit on. He's sitting there thinking, man, is this guy, you know, the farmer, is he going to plow down this whole thing or what? And then he's thinking, does this guy want to be the accountant for the army? What, what's going on? And this hippie, he was so stoned, he didn't even know where he was yet. He's sitting there leaning up against Brother Jerry, and Brother Jerry push him up, and he'd fall back down. And finally, the sergeant comes over, and Smokey the Bear, you know, he, he says to him, You filthy, stinking, long-haired hippie! He said, I'm going to be your mother. I'm going to be your brother. I'm going to be your father. And I'm going to cut that hair, and I'm going to turn you into a soldier, you blankety-blankety-blank. And he just yelled at him in the boat right about then. That hippie started to wake up, and he said, peace, brother, peace. <laughs> this is what America had to work with. But he said in eight weeks or less, he was right. He turned them into soldiers. And he said he no longer thought civilian thoughts. He knew he was a soldier. I've got great news for you today. You may not feel like a soldier, but you are a soldier. You are in the army of the Lord. And as a good soldier, you're to endure affliction and challenges. And when it's tough, that's when he says rejoice because you got the devil right where you want him. 
Well, the devil, he's always, he won't leave me alone. Turn it around. Get him to say, he never leave me alone. Get him to the point where you're using the sword against him that he's absolutely terrified of you every time you wake up because you know who you are and whose you are. That you are a child of the Most High. You are a soldier in the army of God. And that greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. We need to know how to use the sword. Colossians 1.13 says that we've been delivered from the powers of darkness. We've been transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son's love. If you move forward in one chapter in chapter 2 verse 15. It says that. God has disarmed all principalities, powers, and darkness. If we don't know this stuff, how will we ever take up the shield of faith? If we don't develop our faith by hearing and hearing the word of God, how will we know to put up the shield of faith? How will we know to use the sword of the Spirit against the devil? In Micah 7, 8, says, don't rejoice over me, enemy. I'm getting back up. In other words, stand. When he hits you with the biggest blow, get back up and keep standing. Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, once again, it says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Don't play with them. Resist him, and he will flee. Put him on the run. Make him terrified of you. Help them to understand that you know that you know that you know who you are and whose you are and you know how to use the full armor of God. When Amy and I first became Christians, we were trying to use our faith and I seriously felt like I had one hand on my diaper holding my diaper up and trying to hold this massive sword but I didn't know how to use it so I just started doing this and I think I terrified them with my diaper even on. You know, sometimes you just don't know the whole word of God but if you take what you know and you start using the sword... And you do your very best to start quenching the fiery darts. Then all of a sudden God comes on the scene. He says, I've got your back. I'll be your rear guard. I've got your backside. But you've got to defend your marriage, your family, your relationships. You've got to know how to fight the good fight of faith, the Bible says. Don't give the devil even an ounce of pleasure seeing you depressed, disappointed, or discouraged. When he's launched his biggest attack on your life, then that's when you are to count it all joy because he just did his best. And when that smoke clears, it's going to be you and Jesus and your miracle standing, your promised land. You know, there's three examples in the, uh, I love how, you know, God teaches us multiple things. But there are three uh, Old Testament examples of how uh, men were fighting in those days. And it's so, just so encouraging. But in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 12, it gives us a glimpse of David's mighty men. And so it's kind of given us a glimpse of how to fight, you know, how to really fight. So when the battles start raging and the marriage is struggling, the uh, family's struggling, or the relationships are struggling, or the finances are struggling, you know how to do it. So even though it's not flesh and blood, we get this. This is a spiritual thing. We get this. And I love the first example, and his name is Adino. Adino. Adino, somehow the Pharisees, uh, or the, uh, the, 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 these, these people, the Philistines, ticked him off so bad. And he, he slew 800 men at one time. I mean, that's some serious, like, I am not settling for mediocre. 
And he got ticked off big enough, and he slew 800 men right there. He got rid of those Philistines. I, I love this. I mean, he, that's, I'm talking about aggressive, aggressive faith. Aggressive faith that just says, I've got an audacity to believe what God says in his word is truth. And it's the highest form of truth. And it's the final report, and what God says goes. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what the rest of the world says. I don't care what bad reports come my way. I don't care what the statistics say. I know for me and God, I'm going to serve the house of the Lord, and I'm going to stand on God's word. And it's an aggressiveness. Aggressiveness is what. The next guy, I love this one because it gives us all hope. His name was Eliezer. He's the son of Dodo. You know, if Dodo can win and do what he did, and he just whooped up on the Philistines, and he didn't stop until the Philistines were all gone. If Dodo can do this, this gives you and I hope. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Dodo can do it, you can do it. In fact, he wrapped his hands around the sword so much that he couldn't let go of clinging it. So he just kept going, he kept going, he was swinging and swinging and swinging, and he was killing all these Philistines. And finally, someone said, Dodo, stop! Why? You killed them all. Let go of the sword. I, I can't. I can't. He was so determined. How many know it's not the most talented or the most gifted that succeed in life? It's those who are the most determined. You've got to hold on to the sword of the Spirit and don't let go until it becomes a permanent fixture of your life. Some of you sleep with cell phones. You should be sleeping with the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Some, some people are attached to their cell phones. They can't let go of it even when they sleep. They want it right next to them. They don't want to miss one text message. They don't want to miss something important out on social media. This is what you're supposed to be sleeping with. We're to meditate in the word of God day and night. And then we'll be of good success. Then we will prosper, as Joshua 1.8 says. But the last one I think is really my favorite He's a good old man named Shama. I love Shama because Shama had a uh, lentils uh, bean patch. And I think he just got fed up with these Philistines walking through his bean patch that he just finally got ticked off enough to say, the next person that comes through my bean patch, they are goners. And so Shama made that decision nobody's taking my bean patch down. Nobody's going to trample my bean patch. And so Shammah gets out there and he says, enough is enough. And he was fed up and he went to swinging his sword and he whooped up and he killed the Philistines. Not one left. Some of you have got to say, my husband might not look like much, but he's my bean patch. And you're not taking my bean patch. That child may look like they're not much. They're strung out on drugs. They're prostituting their bodies, whatever they're doing. They may not look like much, but they're your bean patch. And you've got to get to a place in your life and say, enough is enough. Devil, you're not taking my bean patch. And you've got to be willing to fight the good fight of faith. And that old goat will get saved, maybe. That wonderful knight in shining armor, I mean. Your husband. you got to call things that be not as though they are. Deuteronomy chapter 20, as we wrap this up, 1 through 4. God gives us instructions on how to fight. And he says, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and armies greater than yours, what does it say? Do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God 
who brought you out out of Egypt will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. In other words, you have to remember that grace is there present with you and faith in his grace who has already overcome the devil, who has already... You know, the devil comes and tells you, you know what, you remember when you failed? You remember, you, you, you remember when you relapsed? You remember when you did that? You just say, hey, come sit down next to me right now for a few moments. Let me pull out this chair. You come sit, devil. Because I want to remind you of your failures. Remember Calvary? How Jesus whooped you on Calvary on the cross? Do you remember that? Hey, no, no, you come back here. You get back here. I'm not done with you yet. Get back here. And by the way, I'm going to tell you about your future right now. You are going to a place called the Lake of Fire. And I'll tell you, his tail will be tucked between his legs before you can even get that out. Because he is absolutely terrified. He knows where he is destined to go. And there is no turning back for him. In fact, the Bible says that he'll be locked up for a thousand years. And as soon as he gets out, he's going to go back to trying to deceive the nations again. He's not going to change. Don't have pity for the devil. He is so hard-hearted, there's not an ounce of love in his heart. And you've got to treat him the way God has shown you how to treat him. And the first thing you need to make the decision to do is to don't be afraid. Have fearless faith when you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You've got to go into those blazing fires when souls are crying out, saying, God, save me. You've got to be there to quench those fiery darts of the wicked one. You've got to be a firefighter. I'll close with this thought. When David came back with his mighty men, his army, he came back to a city, and in his city, it was burning. And all of his family members, the wives and children and everybody had been captured, taken away. And his army got so mad. They were so distraught and so discouraged that the Bible says they actually were planning to kill David, their leader. David did not heed to that. He didn't say, here's the first stone. Go ahead and stone me. You know, here, I deserve it. I deserve it. I, I messed up here. I failed you. I let you guys down. Here, take the stones. It's, it's better for me to go. He didn't play those suicidal thoughts in his mind. What he did is he went before the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he said, Lord, shall we go up? And he said, yes, you shall go up. And you shall not just go up after them, but you shall overtake them and take back what rightfully belongs to you. And King David got encouraged in the Lord. Say encouraged. He encouraged himself in the Lord and he came to the army and he said, guys, come on, strap on your full armor. Let's go. We're going to get our marriages. We're going to get our wives back. We're going to get our children back. We're going to get back our treasures. What the devil has stolen, we're going to plunder it. We're going to take it away from them and we're going home. And you've got to make a decision because right now Jesus is saying, I'm coming to get your brothers. I'm coming to get your sisters. I'm coming to get your children. They may be strung out on drugs, but you're staying. They're my bean patch, and I'm not letting you take them, devil. They're not going to hell. They're coming to heaven with me. And Jesus is saying, yes, 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 yes. I'm coming to get them, and I'm going to bring them home with me. Don't let go. You keep fighting the fight of good fight of faith. Take up that shield of faith and quench the fiery dark 
parts of the wicked one, use that sword of the Spirit, and you begin to use it and swing it and do whatever you can, but take and bring back the plunder that the devil has stolen from you. If you believe this today, will you say amen? Stand to your feet, please. God is fed up with what the devil has been doing to his people. And it's time to say, I'm not going to be a Gomer Pyle. I'm not going to be a Mr. Bean. I'm going to be a child of the Most High. And I'm going to strap on the full armor of God, including the breastplate of righteousness, not just the helmet of salvation. But I'm going to take up the sword of the Spirit. And I'm going to take up the shield of faith. I'm going to put on the belt of truth. And I'm going to shard my feet with the gospel of peace. And I'm going to put on that garment of praise. And I'm going to put on that robe of righteousness. Because it's not because of how good I've been. It's because of how good Jesus Christ has been for me. And then you fight that good fight of faith until you get everything back that the devil has stolen from you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Father, I thank you that none, none in this room will lose what you're telling them today. There is a great revival stirring, and I know that there's been resistance, and I know there's been pressure, but today we rejoice. We count it all joy because we know that we've got the devil right where we want him. We thank you, Lord, that we take up the full armor and we choose to fight the good fight of faith and we will choose not to be passive, but we will use our aggressive faith to be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Because if we know that you're for us, then who can be against us? And we give you all the glory and all the praise for it today in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium today, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ and you're saying, Pastor, I need to do that today. I need to accept Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're at a place in your life where you're not at peace with God. And you're saying, Pastor, I want to get back on course with God. I want to recommit my heart to Jesus Christ today. Today is your day of salvation. Don't postpone it. Don't let the devil play around with you anymore. Not with your mind, not with your heart, not with your soul. Don't let him play with eternity. This is way too important. You are precious. Jesus died for you. Don't let eternity slip by another day. Make that decision to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to encourage you today, it doesn't matter what you've done wrong. All that matters is what Jesus Christ has done right. So I ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need to make that decision to accept Jesus Christ, or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus all over this auditorium, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I expect you to be courageous and bold right now and slip up your hands all over this room right now saying, Pastor, pray for me. I need to accept Jesus Christ, or I need to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Just a moment longer, it's not too late. If you're breathing, you can do it right now. Thank you so much for your honesty and courage. It takes courage to do this. You can put your hands down. Anyone else, pastor, pray for me. I need to accept Jesus Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord. Just a moment longer. Anyone else? Okay, I know there ought to be more. Is there anybody else? Just a moment longer. The Holy Spirit's having me wait on somebody. Who are you? Ma'am, sir, who are you? Slip up your hand before the Lord. God's not going to embarrass you, but he needs you to be proud of him and what he did for you. Just a moment longer. Hey, those that are joining us online, let's do this. Let's put a hand on our heart and let's pray this prayer together with those that are making that quality choice and that decision. Would you pray this after me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross 
for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.